the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Southern California Live, Friday afternoon. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for uh, tuning in. At uh, just well, we're we're five seconds before four o'clock, so it's four o'clock. We like to get a jump on everybody else, get started before everybody else. So here we are in the four o'clock hour on Southern California Live. We're glad you're along with us. I, we're going to talk this hour about. Uh, the, the whole idea of what is what's called common grace, the idea that we are all recipients of God's grace at some level. You say, what, what do you mean? Well, you got up this morning and the sun came up, right? That's, that is the common grace of God. He causes the sun to shine on believers and on unbelievers. So everyone in the world is a recipient of God's grace. Here, That that, that may appear self-evident, but there are a couple of things that, that we need to stop and think about. First of all, we take God's common grace for granted all too often. And secondly, the existence of God's common grace can be a launch pad from which we can engage with our friends with family members, with co-workers, with people we meet around the gospel, people who don't know Christ. We, by starting with with dialogue about common grace, we can often find a path to the gospel. Um, my friend Dr. Tim Muehlhoff has just written a book on this. It's a book called Eyes to See. Uh, came out last month, and uh, Tim is a professor at Biola University in Southern California, and uh, I, I have known him for a couple of decades. He's a he's a great communicator and a sharp mind, and I always enjoy talking to him. He's on the line with us in this second hour of Southern California Live. Uh, Timothy, welcome to uh, to the program. Bob, so great to be back on. Well, it's always nice, especially if you turn out a book a month, and we'll just have you on regularly. Okay. <laughs> I have a lot to say, Bob. I just got to get it on paper, and I'm so glad people find it interesting, but it's, it's me trying to work out problems that I think most Christ followers have, and this crazy pandemic. I think all of us, Christians and non-Christians, are asking the question, where's God? I mean, why, why doesn't he put an end to this? Why doesn't he intervene? Um, Woody Allen, the very famous atheist director, once said, if God exists, he's an underachiever. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I had to wonder, you mentioned in the book that that uh, you served as an associate, or not an associate, an interim pastor for a while at church in, in Orange County, and a lot of people coming up and saying, how come my prayers don't get answered? Was was that part of the impetus behind saying, this is a, a subject I want to tackle? No, well, yes. I mean, that further confirmed it. But, Bob, you, you've met my wife, Noreen. Of yes. course, you and I have spoken at Family Life Marriage Conferences for a long time. Well, she had a procedure done where the doctor just happened 
to notice something and biopsy it. Well, it comes back that, in fact, it is cancerous. Mm-hmm. And now you have to go get the test nobody wants to get. You're going to go get a full body scan that's going to tell you if the cancer has metastasized, if it's spread. And so I remember sitting in the lobby of St. Jude Hospital and holding her hand, and I said something that I don't often remember saying, and that was, thank God for this hospital. Thank God for this machine that is going to definitively tell us if it's localized or if we've got a much bigger problem, and a lot of your listeners probably have gone down both roads. And so I just said to Noreen, thank God for this complex multi-million-dollar machine that's going to scan our body, and we're going to know the next day what we're looking at. And I thought, my goodness, that is common grace. Hmm. And the idea of common grace is that, in in our world today, we live and and by the way, I want to I want to dive into this. I'm going to back up for a second because I want to read a paragraph from your book and oh, go. Sure. Did I did I understand this right? This is one of those where I went, Tim. So so I'm I'm just going to get this out of the way before we get into the because I'm reading your book. I'm loving your book, but then I read here. Here's where you said there are two ways I can know what's in a particular book. You said. I could know what's in each chapter because I'm the author and I wrote it. I control the actions of the characters, the twists and turns of the plot. Or I could know what happens in each chapter because I've read the entire book cover to cover. I don't control the characters, but I'm aware of their actions. You said my argument is God is like the latter. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, again, Bob, we've known each other forever. We we have slightly different, I'm being very diplomatic, slightly different views of sovereignty. Um, So does God ordain the big things? Yeah, he ordains the big things. He, He ordains the rules and guidelines by which he chooses to operate the universe and the world. So he puts Adam and Eve in the garden and says to them, you have freedom, the creation mandate, but there is one thing I ask you not to do. Do not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, God has foreknowledge, so he knows what Adam and Eve are going to do in that situation. Now, he did not tamper with it. He, he didn't know it because he orchestrated it. He knew it because two free will creatures are going to... Uh, choose to rebel against him, and then he knows where this rebellion is going to go, what the result of it's going to be. It's going to be cancer. It's going to be climate change. It's going to be all of these things are going to result from the free actions of these two people. But because he knows it doesn't mean that he determined it, that he he didn't orchestrate it in such a way that the opposite couldn't happen. So that's that's a fine theological distinction. Um, and so that's, that's where I think God's modus operandi is his foreknowledge is not tampering foreknowledge. He knows the book, not because he's written every single chapter that it had to be so-and-so and he's moving every character like a chess piece, but he knows, he knows the first chapter and he knows how the book ends. And clearly it seems to me there are things that happen in the book that are against God's will. He, he prefer that these things don't happen, but he lets free will beings um, uh, do what they're going to freely do. And, th- and that's one of the interesting premises that the book is based on. 
it is, and it's it's and here we are trying to tackle what the age old question, right? This this <laughs> has been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, but yep. but, but yeah. I'm I'm wondering, would you differentiate the statement that you make here in the book from what is commonly referred to as open theism, or would you say, I think the open theists uh, have got they make some good points. Okay, so I love my job at Biola University. I would like to keep my job at Biola University. So before getting myself in trouble on live radio, let me say this. So my view is not open theism in any way, shape, or form. And I just wanted to make that clear for everybody who's listening. Yeah. Right. Open theists would say God can't know the future because of a complex array because in some ways the future has yet to be determined. I mean, we're talking Gregory Boyd, if that name resonates with any of your listeners. Um, He would argue that God can't know the future. Oh, I'm arguing exactly the opposite. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He absolutely knows the future, and we can take great comfort in that, but it's not because he is um, saying, okay, Adam and Eve, I'm going to orchestrate the garden so that you fall, for whatever purpose, for my glory, for my whatever, that is a what we call a reformed position. I don't want to overgeneralize, but I believe that God has given freedom to individuals, and He knows the future, of course, because He um, He He knows the whole book. He knows every free action that's ever going to happen, not because He caused it, but because He sees what free people are going to do. We are going to, uh, we're going to leave the age-old discussion at this point and get on to those aspects of the book that I think are so helpful and, and I think really make the book uh, something that all of us need to, to wrap our heads around. The idea of common grace and how common grace and understanding of common grace can, uh, can uh, make can open the door for us to have gospel conversations with people that we couldn't otherwise have. And that that's really a part of what your motivation here was, isn't it? Well, absolutely. I mean, I do think as Christians we, we have a little bit of explaining to do, because we believe that God is good, all-knowing, powerful, compassionate, loving, and yet we're going on day th- uh, year three of the pandemic. And life didn't stop during the pandemic. People still get cancer. Uh, people still die in swimming accidents. The economy fluctuates. So God could have, Bob, said, okay, you guys rebelled against me. You sinned against me. You want a world without me? Guess what? You got it. You got a world without me, and let's see how badly this is going to go. He really could have taken that stance, but Psalm 145 says, God is compassionate upon his creation. So common grace, uh, a technical definition would be, he gives good gifts to both Christians and non-Christians. He sees a world that is struggling, and he reacts to that world. He he steps in and says, listen, sin's going to be so bad, you're going to need antibiotics. Uh, Imagine, Bob, where we'd be without the discovery of penicillin. Or without communication, to be able to talk to each other. Think of all the technology that we have today to help us as we combat a pandemic. And then God hasn't abandoned those in parts of the world that don't have the technology that we're fortunate enough to have 
in other countries, he still gives the creation of fire, uh, tool making, um, community building. So God is constantly flooding planet Earth. I mean, James goes so far as to say every good gift given comes from the Father of lights. And, and what he means by that is when you look up at the starry sky and you see this plethora of stars, that's as many good gifts as God is giving to planet Earth. Tim Muehlhoff is joining us this afternoon. His new book is called Eyes to See. It's about common grace. And you, you picked four categories where you put common grace on display. Uh, science, art, communication, and war. So how is common grace on display in, in the issue of war? Oh, my goodness. Bob Lapine, you just jump in. <laughs> Can we well, go to communication? Can we go to the fascinating story of penicillin? Um, no, but you're right, Bob. I mean, my goodness. And how relevant this is, is right now Russia, it, 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 from all indication, is seriously thinking about invading the Ukraine. Yep. So, so we, we hear these things. And Jesus himself said, hey, don't be surprised by this, right? There's going to be wars and rumors of war. So God knows that. As God sees human history, he knows there's going to be conflict after conflict after conflict. I mean, in my book, I quote uh, two top historians who say the dawn of human history and the beginning of organized warfare went hand in hand. So, Bob, think about how heartbreaking this is to God. He gives us the idea of tools, right, to be used for agriculture. And as soon as we make these tools, we use them as weapons against each other. Hmm. Remember the great story of Alfred Nobel? He is the creator of dynamite, right. but he has it for purely agricultural purposes. Well, you better believe the military swoops in and says, wow, dynamite, this will be perfect. And it became one of the one of the most horrifying military inventions we've ever seen. So we take God's good gifts and we use them, unfortunately, in really bad ways. So God knows the world is going to get more violent. So how can he lessen the violence? How can he mitigate it? And there we get the really cool story of what's behind the Geneva Conventions, these series of agreements of how to limit war. We get as early as Augustine and Thomas Aquinas, this idea of just war theory, mm -hmm. which God is saying, listen, I wish there was no war, and one day I'll put an end to war, but that day has not come yet. So I'm going to make the best of a bad situation. I'm going to, I'm going to flood human thinkers with this idea called just war theory, which is you don't attack civilians, you try to protect children, women, you, you don't destroy the land so that nobody can inhabit it. By the way, that thought goes all the way back to Sun Tzu and the classic book that is read not only by military strategists, but by Harvard Business Review, Sun Tzu and the Art of War, where Sun Tzu is saying you need to be a compassionate leader. So even if you capture your enemy, treat them with compassion so that they can literally come and be part of your community. Um, 
those are important ideas that God is constantly flooding people who want to make war, and God is saying, I need to find ways of lessening this until the final consummation we read in Revelation 21, that, you know, everything's going to be done away with mourning, crying, pain, death, the first things will go away, but we're not there yet. We're talking to Dr. Tim Yulhoff, who is joining us from Biola. He's, uh, he's here on Southern California Live on a Friday afternoon. And Tim, for the average guy who's driving home listening to us talk about what, what can sound like a, a, a theoretical or a philosophical conversation about uh, common grace, how do, why does this matter to, to most of us in the day in and day out? Well, I, th- I think, for, if, let me speak to the Christian, and then how this can be used for those outside the Christian community. For the Christian, I do think we, we want to ask, God, where, where are you? Like, how, where can I see this love being exhibited? And, and I know for me, it's expanded my view of what God does, that God is giving us medical uh, discoveries, scientific discoveries. Uh, he's ministering to us 24-7, giving us his good gifts. But then, Bob, the book really—and and again, we've hit the most controversial parts of the entire book. Uh, and let me just say, let me just say one last time: we are anti-open theism at Biola University. We we do not go the direction um, uh, Mr. Boyd goes. Um, but but it, it's filled with illustrations, Bob. The, the book mostly is are illustrations taken from everything from uh, the Walking Dead. The Tiger King, um, uh, Bruce Lee, one of the great martial artists. Um, because what I want to do in this book is how can you use pop culture, right, right, these interesting stories and illustrations that we see from Hulu, Netflix, yep. uh, Amazon Prime, how can you use daily things that everybody's talking about, and how do you use that to illustrate common grace, like, like conversation starters. And the book really is designed to be conversation starters to, to uh, get you to talk about God's goodness in really kind of fun, uh, creative ways. So can I, can I share one real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I can't tell you how many times I've had the, what I call the God conversation with people, uh, because one time I was going to go preach on a Sunday, but I was doing martial arts training on a Saturday, and one of my friends said to me, um, what are you preaching on? He's not a Christian. I said, where is God during the pandemic? He laughed out loud and said, wow, I'd be interested in that one. So what do you got in five minutes or less? I said, okay, let me tell you a joke. And this joke is how I think God operates. Okay. And, and Bob, you've heard this joke. Many of your listeners have heard this joke. But a man gets word that there's going to be a flash flood uh, happening and to get to higher ground. Well, he doesn't pay attention to it because he's a Christian. God will save me. Well, now the floodwaters start to rise. He's on the second floor of his house. A boat comes by, and they say, hey, jump into the boat. We'll take you to safety. He goes, no, I'm good. God's going to save me. Well, now he's up on the roof, and a FEMA helicopter goes by and uh, says, hey, we'll drop down a ladder, climb up the ladder. We'll take you to safety. He goes, nope, I'm good. God's got me. I'm safe. Well, uh, he eventually drowns, stands before God, and he's mad. He says, God, where were you? And God says, what do you want? I gave you a radio message, a boat, and a helicopter. (laughs) Right? We've all heard that joke, many of us. My friend laughed, and I said, but listen, I believe God 
is in the helicopter. I believe he's behind the helicopter. My friend was like, what? Are you kidding me? I said, dude, do you know the story of the helicopter? And he said, no, I have no idea. Well, it's a man named Sikorsky who is having uh, dreams as a 12-year-old of this flying boat that can come straight down out of the sky, pick up people and take them straight up. He is drawing sketches all through his teens. He goes to college. He's an engineer, comes to the United States, is accredited in 1936 with, with creating the very first functional helicopter. And he believes that absolutely was a dream that God had consistently given him all the way back to being a child, this idea of a, of a, a flying machine that could go straight down where an airplane can't and rescue people. That's why he created the helicopter was to help people in really desperate situations. Well, my friend's like, I, I had no idea that's how the helicopter was created. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm arguing that came from God, and he'll laugh and go, well, how, how could you know that? And I said, well, let me, give, let me give you some other illustrations, and you see if there's a pattern. So, Bob, that's the, that's the fun kind of conversation to have with a person using the uh, creation of a helicopter as a way of opening the door and even using a joke about a man on top of a roof as floodwaters rise. That's kind of what the book is about is. Let's use all these great stories to get people's attention that we can talk about God's benevolence, love, care in the midst of an unsettled world. Dr. Tim Mulehoff joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live. We're talking about his new book, which is called Eyes to See, about how the existence of common grace does open up lots of channels, lots of avenues for, for gospel conversations uh, we'd love to have you join us. The number is 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We'll continue the conversation after we take this time out as your Friday edition of Southern California Live continues. Southern California Live on KKLA, KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. We're talking with Dr. Tim Mulehoff about his book, Eyes to See. And what I'd love to have you do as as we're talking, if you've got stories of how you have been able, in a conversation with a friend, to draw on elements of common grace in order to open the door for a gospel conversation— We'd love to hear how you've done that. 888-52-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. Tim, you talked about the the helicopter story. My my kids used to hate going to the movies with me because they knew on the ride home I was going to try to pull theological truth or or Christ typology. We went and saw Superman Returns or one of the Superman movies. And I'm going, did you guys see how, how Superman was a type of Jesus and all of they go, Dad, can we just enjoy the Superman movie? Does everything have to be about a type of Christ? But I'll tell you a story. This goes all the way back. Um, 19, I don't remember what it was, uh, late 70s, okay? Um, all of my friends had seen the movie Saturday Night Fever. You, did you see Saturday Night Fever when it came out? Yeah, I remember. I remember it. Yeah, Saturday, yeah. Okay. So I didn't go see it when it came out because I thought 
I'm not into disco and John Travolta dancing, and I just wasn't that interested. Well, finally, it came to the Dollar Theater, and I thought, okay, for a buck, I'll go see, just so I can know what everybody's talking about. So I went to see Saturday Night Fever, and I walked out two hours later going, this is the book of Ecclesiastes put in a modern-day story. This is how... Everything is vanity. He's building his whole life around winning the dance competition. And then the girl of his dreams is dumps him because she's sleeping with her boss. And he drives away at the highway going, gee, there's nothing really for me in life. His brother, who was training to be a priest, he, you know, I mean, I mean the whole, it just, it struck me that apart from Christ, there's no purpose or meaning. You're not going to find it in, in disco dancing, even if you're the best guy at the club. This is a part of what you're talking about in this book, ways that we can engage around evidence of common grace in our world, right? Well, yeah, and remember John Wesley said the Christian communicator should be able to look at a newspaper and from the headlines in the newspaper be able to make a transition to the gospel. Hmm. And I love that. I, I, I love the fact that we almost are hardwired to remember stories, illustrations. Uh, so that's why Jesus just masterfully used agricultural illustrations, and he, he was a master at pulling the common and, and attaching spiritual meaning to it. I, I think he did a phenomenal job. I'm sure he's very pleased that I gave him my stamp of approval as a, <laughs> as a communicator. Jesus, yeah. you did great. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. You get an A in uh, my class. Have- but even non-Christians remember his stories, Yeah, right? The, the, the Good Samaritan. I, I mean, you, you study that at secular universities. So there's something about the lasting ability of a story. So we know something called the forgetting curve, that after our conversation, we know from research that roughly I forget about half of everything that was talked about within a 24-hour cycle. And then uh, two days later, I'm down to roughly 15% of what I remember. Well, communication theorists have been interested. What do you remember? Like, what makes it to the 15%? And we know it's stories, illustrations, quotes, jokes, things like that. So I love, when I'm trying to share Christ, to work in pop culture in a way that people will latch on to it. Because who doesn't like to talk about The Office? Or talk about the new Spider-Man movie. Right. Or so I, I think finding those relevant moments can really open it up, and then just show how the gospel is uh, woven into it. So we were talking about The Walking Dead one time, a bunch of my non-Christian friends, and I said, you know, I really love The Walking Dead. My, and they said, well, who's your favorite character? They were thinking Rick, Shane, Daryl, and I said, it's actually Herschel. Because in the midst of a zombie apocalypse, he still reads his Bible. I think there's something really admirable about that, that he hangs on to faith, even in the midst of a zombie apocalypse. And my non-Christian friend said, you know, you're right, he does read his Bible. He goes, wow, that, like, how do you hang on to God in a zombie apocalypse? And I said, well, can I give my answer to that? And he goes, yeah. I go, the same way I hang on to to uh, God during a pandemic, the same way I hang on to God when one of my best friends almost has stage four colon cancer, which would have been a death sentence. I hang on to God even in the midst of when everything around me is saying 
there's not a God. And that's my faith in who Jesus Christ is. So I, I couldn't believe that the walking dead got me to a gospel conversation with some of my friends. And that's what I try to use the book for, Bob, is, is how do you craft an illustration based on pop culture to get you to uh, spiritual things? 888-52-TALKS is the number if you'd like to join us. We'd love to hear how you've done it, how you've, uh, whether it's pop culture, whether it's observations in science. I mean, when when I talk about Saturday Night Fever, I don't think the director went in and said, let's tell it, let's do a modern day telling of the book of Ecclesiastes. But this is where the idea of common grace comes in, because even those who don't know God, don't know the Bible, aren't walking with him, don't believe it, they can still make observations about human nature, the human condition that Christians can learn from. Right, Tim? Well, that's why I included a whole chapter on art, because, Bob, to me, art is this way of of getting around our defenses. You know, like we watch something and we laugh, and we think, oh, man, that's really interesting. I'm laughing, but it's also got me thinking. Like, one of my favorite illustrations in the book comes from The Office. And uh, if you watch The Office, you know that Jim and Pam uh, were, were this iconic romantic couple. Like, when Jim first met Pam, she was, of course, uh, dating somebody engaged. She couldn't do anything. Uh, but, the, but you could tell he had strong feelings for her. And then she breaks up. Remember, she breaks off the engagement. Now, all of America is going, oh, they're finally going to get together. And then, of course, he proposes in a rainstorm, a thunderstorm. And then they're married. Now, what I love about The Office is that they decided to be real about their relationship. So if you remember, uh, Jim is now, he's got a job in Philadelphia. He's leaving her, and they have, a brand, they have a young infant, and they go to marital counseling, and it didn't go well. I mean, when you think this is the office, you're like, wow. Well, uh, he's about to leave one more time to Philadelphia, so he's gone out to his taxi. He forgets his umbrella. She sees the umbrella, runs it out to him, and uh, says goodbye, and then he hugs her. And she cannot hug back. And, Bob, we use this at Family Life Marriage Conferences. We actually use this clip. And I say to couples, all of us have been there where you just can't hug back. Mm-hmm. I mean, the hurt is too much. The disappointment is too much. Then, if you remember the scene, Bob, they show the wedding scene where everybody's in the audience. And they're reading 1 Corinthians 13. Right. And this is Pam thinking back to her wedding day. Love is patient. Love is kind, right? And then she hugs them back. Hmm. And I, I, I literally say to people when I speak evangelistically, I say, listen, there comes a point where human love doesn't do it. It's good, but it doesn't do it. We, we were built for divine love. And Pam could not hug back because of her human disappointment in an imperfect husband, but now she remembers divine love, and she hugs them back. Yeah. I, I, that's one of my favorite scenes in that series, The Office. And isn't that great of God to, to kind of uh, inspire writers, hey, stick in 1 Corinthians 13. Now, I can't <laughs> prove any of this, Bob. I can't definitively prove it. But I think there's a lot of interesting clues that God is um, these aha moments that people who write about creativity talk about. You have an aha moment. And I, I think this is God reaching out to the world through every medium he possibly can for us to 
think about spiritual truths. Well, since I believe that he ordains whatsoever comes to pass, I would have to agree with you on that. Uh, it is God. <laughs> Tim Muehlhoff joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live. 888-52-TALKS is the number. 888-528-2557. If you'd like to share with us how you have bridged the gap between popular culture or the newspaper headlines or the events of our world in order to have gospel conversations, we'd love to hear from you. 888-52-TALKS. We're going to continue our conversation with Tim Muehlhoff talking about his book, Eyes to See, after this time out. You're listening to the Friday edition of Southern California Live. Southern California Live on KKLA, KPRZ. I'm Bob Lapine. We're talking about common grace, about bridges to the gospel, about ways to engage our culture in gospel conversations by pointing to how God is at work, not just in those things that we would look at and say, well, that was obviously God, but in the in the smaller, uh, more subtle things. In fact, Tim, you end the book by telling about an experience you had in Africa years ago. Uh, share that story. Yeah, I, I hope this resonates with your listeners. Um, so I was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ for years and years and years, and we went to Africa and we showed the Jesus film, which is a wonderful depiction of Jesus in the Gospels. Um, and this was way before cell phones, so there's three groups that are going to go out. You have a generator, you have a cord that connects the generator to the projector, then you have this massive screen. And so three groups are going out. We're the first group uh, to be dropped off, so we're dropped off. We're literally putting up the screen. About a 1,000 people would come out that night to watch the Jesus tr- uh, film translated into Swahili. It was amazing. So just as we're about – it's getting dark. Just as we're about to get going, uh, one of our students runs up and says, Tim, there's no cord to connect the generator to the projector. We can't turn it on. And again, this is before cell phones. We can't call the truck to tell them to come back. So we're just sitting there like, oh, my goodness, what, what are we going to do? Well, I had just that morning given a devotional from Ephesians uh, where Paul says, not a him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. So the student says, let's pray, put our hands on the projector, and then turn it on. God doesn't need electricity. So I was like, you know what? Let, let's do it. So we're holding hands around this projector, praying, and just as we're finishing the prayer, Bob, I hear the sound of the truck flying down this really deserted road. Uh, Because here's what happened. He dropped off the other two teams and then saw an extra extension cord. So he worked his way backwards and got to us just as we finished praying and literally threw the cord to me out the window. We showed the Jesus film, and that night, roughly 100 people came to faith. But part of me, Bob, really wanted him to be five minutes late. You know what I mean? Just give me another five minutes, because I would have wanted to turn on that projector. Now, do I believe that God could have turned on that projector without electricity? Absolutely. Not to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond. But I, I was haunted by that story for a long time, Bob, because I didn't know what would happen and really wanted God 
to do something overtly supernatural that you just couldn't deny. Now, I believe God does that. Oh, my goodness, the Old Testament is filled with those kind of miracles. Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000, and, you know, there are stories from missionaries and here at home, too many to deny. But I wanted my own story that showed God's power and faithfulness. I think after writing this book, Eyes to See, I'm not haunted by that story anymore of what would have happened. Because think about it, Bob, uh, in the distant past, with the ancient church, would they have viewed a projector, a generator, electricity, all-terrain vehicle as miracles? Absolutely they would have. So God meets our needs, sometimes through the overtly supernatural, but often he does it through this wonderful thing called common grace, where he's helping fight the pandemic through N95 masks, vaccinations, uh, brave EMS workers, frontline workers, he has not abandoned us. He's giving us these good gifts daily. And and I think many of us have known. I'm thinking of a friend of mine who's 70 days in the hospital. He was days in ICU. I remember waking up mm. in the middle of the night and thinking, um, this may be a funeral. And mm. by God's grace, it wasn't. He is alive and is recovering and uh, looks back on this. And he he has said to me, and honestly, Tim, it's one of those things that he says it to me, and I think, I'm not sure I fully believe you, but he has said, I thank God for my for my bout with COVID, because he said things happened in that 70-day period in my relationship with Jesus that would not have happened any other way. Mm-hmm. And I think they could have happened another way without you having to be on a machine. I mean, I, wouldn't, I went and saw him in the hospital when he was battling this, and, and he did not look good. Uh, and yet, medical hospitals, doctors, nurses, medicines—he uh, is alive today because of the common grace that is administered through those things. And for us to think, well, that's not God; that's just that's just uh, medicine and doctors. No, right. We, we we have to see the hand of God in all things, don't we? Yeah, that story just reminded me of a quote I have uh, in the book. Um, uh, Matt Hughes is one of the ultimate fighting championships legends. <laughs> he, he was the one at the very beginning with the ultimate fighting championship. I teach self-defense. I do martial arts. So I kind of have an eye towards that. Well, he was tragically hit by a train on a very foggy night. His truck was obliterated by a train, and he really had to go through it. But when he was released from the hospital... Bob, this was literally his statement that he released. I want to read this because your comment about your friend uh, really made me think of it. He said this, I'm beyond grateful for every physician, doctor, nurse, therapist, coach, first responder, family member, and friend, etc., who worked with me over the past three years. I thank God for guiding their hands and their decisions. Hmm. I love the balance of that. I do believe it's God guiding physical therapists, both Christian and non-Christian, giving them the education they need to help people. I do believe that God is working through the surgeon, the nurse, the physician, uh, the first responders who got there and literally saved his life. So I love that phrase you just said, by God's grace. I think what the book did for me, Bob, was not, not limit that God can act overtly supernatural. 
Uh, I know a friend who's been cured of migraines. Um, people laid hands on him, and he was cured. Um, but, Bob, I suffer from migraines. And so part of me listens to that, my friend, and I'm like, well, God, why, why not heal my migraines? Yeah. And I've had them for about 15 years. But, you know, I do take migraine medication that works. I have a neurologist who, by the way, is not a Christian who's really talented. So life is absolutely manageable for me because, you know, I take medication when I get a migraine. Now, I do wish I could just pray and it would be gone forever. And I, I've seen evidence. I've seen my friend. That happened. But is God any less at work through my migraine medication and the talented observations of my non-Christian neurologist? That's what I want to do in this book, Bob, is expand what does it mean for God to act, not denying the supernatural. But to be honest, you know, I've been a Christian for a long time. I don't have a ton of overtly supernatural answers to prayer. I mean, I'm a Detroit Lions fan, Bob. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of counter evidence. And Matthew Stafford, God bless him. God bless him. He's in the Super Bowl, Lions quarterback, and I'm happy for him. And I hope he wins. But listen, when you're a Detroit sports fan, Bob, you yes. do not see divine intervention happen very often. Our, our mutual but, friend, our mutual friend Dave Wilson, who served as chaplain for the Lions for years, he thought I must be the worst chaplain in the NFL because I can't pray this team into any victories. You know, I took my son to Green Bay because uh, he had back surgery, and so me and my son, uh, you know, our record in Green Bay is horrible. I mean, right, we never win. Right. Well, Bob, guess what? We were ahead at halftime by two touchdowns. He texted me and said. Brother, if you if they win this game in Green, in Lambo, you will be the new chaplain of the Lions. <laughs> Bob, not only did we not score another point the rest of the game, we lost, I think, by twenty points. <laughs> we got destroyed in the second half. So uh but Bob, this book has just shown me that God hasn't abandoned us. He, he didn't abandon a world that abandoned him. He, he didn't do it. And to me, that is so gracious of God to say, guys, I need to save you from yourselves in some ways. Like, you've made a mess of this place. So I'm going to give you communication, virtuous communication. I'm going to give you art to shake things up and make you think. I'm going to give you uh, medical, scientific discoveries, uh, I'm going to lessen war because you guys are war-making people. So to me, it's a gracious God stepping in and saying, you abandoned me, but I never stopped giving you these good gifts, even if you don't recognize them as my good gifts, nor even thank me for these gifts. I will continue to do it. What a great picture of God as being self-sacrificial and not doing like a 50-50 relationship with humanity. I'll treat you exactly like you treat me. I think and, there's something really beautiful about that picture of God. And sometimes having to recognize that God has a, a purpose in our suffering, your migraines, that we may yeah. not see, that uh, that can serve his purposes as his glory. You may be able to comfort others with the comfort you've received, but you have to go through the suffering to have the comfort to be able to comfort others with. 
Well, I think there's so much truth in that, Bob. I, I've also used something. There's a, I won't mention it on the air, but there, there's something that I take homeopathic that really, really helps. So I often use that evangelistically to say to people, if, I, if you were a migraine sufferer, would you want to know about something that really makes a difference in my life and helps me with migraines? If you were a migraine sufferer. And every person I talk to, Bob, says, yes, of course I would. Why would you not share that with me? Right. And I said, well, I absolutely agree with you. And by the way, if you are a migraine sufferer, I'll gladly tell you what this homeopathic product is. <laughs> but I believe that's the same thing about God. So if something is radically changing my marriage and helping me, would you be offended if I shared what that was with you? And people say, no, of course not. I said, well, for me, it's Jesus. I mean, mm -hmm. Jesus is the one who helps me and my wife through the hard times, the good times, gives me purpose, unconditional love. So, I, so that's kind of, I, I call it my migraine strategy, because uh, nobody's ever disagreed with, yeah, if I was a migraine sufferer, I don't want you forcing your homeopathic thing on me. I, I keep that to yourself. Right. But when it comes to the gospel, that thing has radically changed my life, my parenting, how I view everything. So why, why, why would you not want me to? Sh now, you don't have to take it. I, I'm not forcing it upon you. But I really do want to tell you about something that has radically changed how I view all of life. And I have found that to be a pretty interesting way to open the door to share the gospel. Dr. Tim Muehlhoff has been joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live to talk about his new book called Eyes to See, about the common grace of God and how we can look for and find God's goodness in all things. Uh, Tim, thanks for joining us. By the way, I, uh, your your colleague Thaddeus Williams has a new book out called God Reforms Hearts. I'd love to send you a copy. I think you, you <laughs> might want <laughs> Does that have a new book out? Yeah, he does, called God Reforms oh, Hearts, Rethinking Listen, Free Will that, and the Problem of Evil. That is, that is just an amazing uh, friend. He's an incredibly sharp thinker. He has a, the reason I asked so quickly was he just had a phenomenal book come out about social justice. Yes, and I mean, we've, that was, we've talked about yeah. that here on Southern California Live. Oh. Tim, thanks for the time this afternoon, and, and thanks for the book. Always enjoy the conversation with you. Appreciate you being on. Thanks, Bob. Tim Yulhoff joining us this afternoon. Thanks to all of you who were a part of this afternoon's program, who tuned in, who participated. Always nice to have you here. Hope you have a great weekend. Hope you and your family are able to worship together in your local church this weekend. It's time to get back to church, right? And we, uh, we hope to see you back on Monday on Southern California Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 